Well, we're continuing this springtime uh, series through the book of Acts. Last weekend, Pastor Darry was talking, as we saw, about sharing our faith intelligently. And then before that, the week before that, Pastor Dick Foth uh, spoke about the importance of the Bible, why the Bible matters. So now we're, we're continuing this series. Uh, we're thinking about growing. Keep growing is the title. And we're going to dive in and get to meet a guy called Apollos. And we read about him in Acts chapter 18. So let's take a look at this together. Acts 18 and verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. And when he arrived... He was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, I I travel a lot and uh, sometimes I'm here and when I'm not here, I'm elsewhere. That's a deep start to this message, isn't it? I get to travel a lot and uh, speak in different conference situations and churches And one of the interesting things for me is the way in which, as a guest speaker, I am introduced, particularly to a church that I've not been in uh, before. So, for example, if I'm preaching in a church in America, uh, where I'm kind of new to the congregation, very often a pastor will try and introduce me while impersonating my British accent, which is so cute. I love that, and... It usually sounds like a drunk Swedish person. <laughs> uh, last weekend I was in Ireland, in Ireland. But they're talking a little bit like this. And in Ireland, if they really like you, they're rude to you. It's a principle. If they like you, they're rude to you. And I, I came away from Ireland, let me tell you, feeling profoundly loved as a result <laughs> of my time there. Introducing the preacher, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Luke, in this episode, Dr. Luke, he is introducing us to an itinerant speaker, preacher, uh, called Apollos. Apollos is an Egyptian Jew from the great city of Alexandria. Now, what's with Alexandria? Well, it was a fabulous city. Back in ancient times, in New Testament times, it had an incredible museum. It had one of the greatest libraries in the world with between four to six hundred thousand scrolls. It was a, it was a home to great thinkers and philosophers, a city that could rival Athens. There was a large Jewish population in Alexandria and we know that there they had the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's called the Septuagint. And here is this man, Apollos, he comes from that great university city. And Dr. Luke introduces him as a learned man. He's brilliant. He knows stuff. He's really effective. But but that's not really why I want us to focus in on him this weekend. You see, not only was this man learned and clever, but he was also a man 
who grew, who grew in life, who grew in understanding, who grew in faith. He had a limited understanding of the gospel. Without giving us too much clarity, Luke tells us, he says he only knew John's baptism, John the Baptist's baptism. So there were limitations to his understanding. But he was a man willing to learn. And as he grew personally, so his influence grew. Let's just think for a few moments about growing. Because the Bible, the Bible is loaded with commands and exhortations for us to grow. And so Colossians 1 talks about us growing in the knowledge of God. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 talks about faith growing more and more. 1 Peter 2, you need to grow up in your salvation, it says. 2 Peter 3, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. But, but here's a tough thing to say. I, I've been a pastor for a, a long time now, and, and I've discovered this. I've discovered that what often happens is that people become Christians and immediately following that decision, there is exponential growth. They're excited. But then after a while, things start to settle down. The flame becomes a flickering flame, an ember even, a dull habit rather than a passion. And they stop growing. And it's difficult, this, for a couple of reasons. First of all, how, how do you know if you're growing? I mean, I just had a, a, a few days vacation with my family uh, and with my grandsons. And it was wonderful, and that's why I look as exhausted as I do right now. And, you know, when you're on vacation, you eat what you shouldn't eat. Does anyone else do this? And so, I, you know, when I got back, I, I stepped onto the scales. And there is a malfunction, I'm sure. I can immediately measure my weight, but my growth, that, what about that? Th then there's the danger that we can talk about spiritual growth. May I make a statement that might sound shocking? God is not interested in you or me just growing spiritually. That's a mistake to think that he is. You see, God wants us to grow holistically, humanly. I know Christians who know how to pray, but they never pay their bills on time. They, they can quote great reams of Scripture, but they're just kind of rude. So they may have grown in knowledge or grown in a particular spiritual habit, but they haven't grown broadly as human beings, which of course includes their spirituality. And then we need to know that this growth stuff, it really is for us. This is for us, for all of us. In a few months, I find myself now hurtling towards a birthday, which includes the number Six. No, not 36. A few weeks ago on the subway in London, I passed a horrifying threshold. It was the rush hour. I'm standing there in this packed carriage. I'm holding onto a strap, staring into the armpits of a complete stranger. <laughs> Suddenly I noticed a rather beautiful young lady who is looking up at me. She is seated and she's looking at me and, and she's smiling. Now, these days, that caught my attention because these days, beautiful young ladies don't normally look at me and smile. Come to think of it, there's never been a time in my life. 
And she's looking at me and she's smiling. And I, I thought, oh, that's nice. And then she said something which was so utterly horrifying. She said, sir, please have my seat. And I, no, no, no. She said, no, please, sit down. And I desperately look around to try and find the frail 99-year-old who's standing behind me. You can't be talking to me. Not me. She said, sir, sit down. I said, no. She said, I insist. I said, I insist. I said, oh, thank you. And I, I sat down. <laughs> I thought she must be talking to someone else. The late Mike Iaconelli in his brilliant book, Messy Spirituality, he says this. He says, I have a dream that I'm with a group of people, with Jesus. And suddenly he turns my way and he says, follow me. And my heart races and I begin to run towards him when he says, no, no, not you. I was talking to the guy behind you. And I think when we're talking about growth, growing in life, in faith, we can think, yeah, that's, that's, that's for, for other people. That's for that family who drove to Timberline today singing Kumbaya in the car. That's for that lady ten rows back who's so excited about Jesus, she raises her hand in worship during the announcements. You're not talking to me, are you? Yeah, this is for all of us. So what can we learn from Apollos about growing? First of all, if we want to be people who grow, let's be grounded in the truth. Be grounded in the truth of Scripture. Apollos was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. Verse 24. A few weeks ago, Pastor Dick Foth spoke on the Bible matters. I mentioned it. And he used phrases like, Scripture is fuel for our spirit. Scripture gives us a place to stand. I, I lo- how, many, how many of you were here and you heard that message? Raise your hand. He talked about balancing on a bed and trying to put a light bulb in. And my heart sang when I heard him say that because when I try and fix anything, my wife sobs uncontrollably. And I felt immediately a knitting of heart. The Bible gives us a place to stand, he says. It's life-giving. It's disturbing. Last night, Pastor Dick Foth said to me, he said, my greatest concern for the modern church is biblical illiteracy. Well, let's face it, some of us, we don't read the Bible at all. Or or, or some of us, the best thing we can do, and I'm not trying to create guilt here, I just want to challenge us, I want to challenge me, is we skim read the Bible. You know what skim reading is? Maybe you're doing that through the Bible in a year course, which goes pretty well until you get to Leviticus. And then you're 47 chapters behind and you go, okay, I better catch up. (laughs) And you put your Bible down and you think God is really thrilled that you just ran your eyes over print. It's skimming. And if we do that, if we're not people of biblical literacy, we will forget who God is and we'll forget who we are. Last week in England, I had a couple of photographs taken. I, I took my grandson's to a farm and you're saying why why do you have a photograph taken with you and a baby chicken well we share a similar hairstyle 
And I, the chicken felt strangely comforted, I feel. A couple of days later, I, I went to see my mum. It was a good day. She remembered, she remembered who I am this time. I always ask her, I say, I actually kind of ask her and I give her a hint. I say, Mum, do you know who I am? I'm trying to help because of this terrible, terrible dementia thing. And she said, yeah. She said, you're my, you're my son. I said, do you remember my name? She said, yeah, you're Jeffrey. Only my mum calls me Jeffrey and my wife when I've been naughty. <laughs> Jeffrey. And I put that photograph up on Facebook because every time I say goodbye, I think I'm saying goodbye. And someone looked at the photograph on Facebook and they said, you've got the same nose. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we've got the same beak. <laughs> and you know what? I've been on this planet for 39 years. It just grew just then. And I never saw that before. I never realized I got the beak from Mama. And when I opened the Bible, I discover new things about God that I hadn't noticed. I opened the Bible and I discover new stuff about me. I never saw that before. Let's be people of the Bible. Secondly, let's be fully committed in our faith. Be fully committed to your faith. Apollos spoke with great fervor, it says. Great fervor, the word means burning or boiling hot. He's passionate. It made me look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I thought, how do you do that? How do you keep your fervor? Do you get up in the morning and go, I'm going to be fervent? What do you do? And then I investigated that Romans 12 verse some more and it actually in its original language speaks of the fire of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. This week I had a conversation with Derek Tidball. Derek Tidball is a brilliant New Testament scholar, former president of the London School of Theology, studied the New Testament his whole life. And I said, Dr. Tidball, of all of your years of study, What's, the, what's one big lesson that you've learned? And he said this, and I, I've been thinking about it since. He said, Jeff, he said, I think sometimes in the church we don't talk enough about what God has done for us and we talk too much about what we should do for God and then when we talk about what God has done we too quickly rush to what we should do. I thought that's, that's a profound insight. You see, Christianity is not just a set of principles that we sweat to live by. When you became a Christian, if you are a Christian, you were born again, to use an unpopular phrase, but it's a biblical one, and a spiritual transaction took place, and now the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. You are not only human, but there is an energy, the same energy that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That energy, that power of the Spirit, is available to you and at work in you. So I read in John's Gospel, in John 14, Jesus issues a command. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Oh, wow, that's such a challenge. 
And then immediately he says, and I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Do you see the principle? The moment Jesus says, do this, he says, and help is at hand. In Philippians 2, you see the same principle. The Apostle Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Oh my, that sounds pretty sweaty. And then he immediately says, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I'm saying to God, and I've been a Christian for a long time now, I'm saying, God, give me a greater reliance on the Holy Spirit. And today you may be staring at an Everest at a problem, a challenge, a situation that is, seems unmovable. And you've tried. You've done your best. And I'm not just saying let go and let God because we are required to make good decisions. But let's remember that there is power. Let's find hope from the truth that the power of the Holy Spirit is enabled, enables us to burn, if you will, with that fervency. Let's be reliant on Him. Thirdly, Thirdly, don't get fixated with one facet of the message. If you want to grow and be a healthy Christian, don't get locked in, fixated with one facet of the message. So it says that Apollos taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. Now again, the details aren't lined out for us or outlined for us. But John's baptism was a baptism that said, repent. And in whatever way, we don't really know clearly, there was a big gap, there was a deficiency in Apollos' theology. He'd got locked in to one area. Here's what I've found out watching passionate Christians. What happens is we, we get all fired up and then if we're not careful, we can get locked in on one area of truth. It can be spiritual warfare. Uh, it can be signs and wonders. It can be the place of Israel in God's purposes for the earth today. And suddenly, that element, that facet, is all we want to talk about. And we go to our small group, and whatever the conversation's about, we try and wrench it back to our thing. Healthy, growing faith is balanced. Don't get fixated with one facet of the message. Number four... Number four, stay teachable. Stay teachable and look for mentors and those that you can mentor. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. You see, this guy knew a lot of stuff, but he was willing to realize that he didn't know everything. Henri Nguyen, in his book, The Genesee Diary, he says, He who thinks he's finished is finished. Those who think they've arrived have lost their way. Those who think they've reached their goal have missed it. Those who think they are saints are demons. And this man had this opportunity to learn. Now, a couple of things to just notice. First of all, there's a woman involved. There's a woman. Now, you say, what's the big deal about that? Well, in some churches, there are severe limitations on what women can do in leadership and ministry. That is not true here, thank God. And Luke not only tells us that Priscilla was involved in teaching a learned man, he names her first, which is very interesting. Notice that they did this quietly. They didn't yell at him while he was preaching correction. You ever met Christians like that? They love to correct people. They're correction fluid on legs but they quietly take him aside 
and they share teaching with him. That took humility on their part. Because Paul the Apostle had lived in their home for 18 months earlier. They could have said, excuse me, pal, we're part of the super team, don't you know? And then Apollos could have said, but you guys are tent makers and you're refugees. More about that in a moment. But they were open to share and he was open to learn. What is it about us that we don't see? I've shared this story before, but I think it illustrates the point. Some years ago, friends of mine bought a car. It wasn't brand new, but it was new to them. It was a BMW, and they wanted to take me for a ride in their car. And the day before they bought the car, the guy that sold it to them replaced the battery. The battery. (laughs) And normally, of course, in the car, you put the battery under the bonnet, don't you? The hood. I don't. But in this BMW, they designed it to have the battery in the back seat, under the back seat. But they fitted the wrong battery. So the battery terminals are sticking up too high. So I get in the back of the car and I put my weight down on the seat and I do not realize that beneath me an inferno is building. The battery connected with the metal underside of the seat. It shorted everything out. And we're driving along and the BMW controls are freaking out. They're like, ach, tang, ach, tang. (laughs) That that was a bit of German, by the way. (laughs) And my friend, she says, what's that? And I said, "I, I think it's oil. And she turned around Her husband's driving. She turns around and looks at me. She said, that's not oil. She said, your rear end's on fire. (laughs) Now, can I just pause for a moment? Because I know that there's a, a possibility that some might be offended by my use of the phrase rear end in church on a Sunday morning. I realize that. I've been to some churches and shared that story and people got, got upset. It's like he said, he said rear end. I mean, what's that about? I mean, you'd think Christians didn't have rear ends. Yes, I used to have a rear end. But then I gave my life to Jesus. And that's all behind me now. No, 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 don't. My rear end was a flame and I hadn't noticed. We felt led to pull the car over. We jumped out and it went up in flame. My rear end's on fire. I didn't notice. I wonder, are there people around you and they, they, they look at you and there's something about you is steamingly obvious to everybody but you. And they don't want to tell you because you're sensitive. One of the greatest dangers, preventatives to growth is kind of an inappropriate kindness in relationships where we say, well, what do you think? And people say, yes, great, 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 excellent. You look great in that. And they're not telling the truth. See, if you really want people to tell you the truth, first of all, you have to tell them 50 times. 
print it in nine different languages. And then when they tell you the truth, don't get mad, because they'll never tell you the truth again if you do. Do we have people who can speak into our lives? Do we have resourcing relationships? When I became a Christian, there was Peter. Peter was a retired pastor. He retired in his 30s because he had multiple sclerosis. He was housebound. And I used to go over to his house every week with my brand new Christian questions, and some of them were silly, but he never made me feel like they were silly. And he invested his life in me. I can think of another person. 30 years ago, when I first came to America, we moved to Klamath Falls, Oregon. And it, the community was great, and the people were great, and we were bewildered. We'd, we'd driven across America in a Chrysler Newport. This car with the hood stretching into infinity. We're driving on the wrong side of the road, and, and we're confused, and jet-lagged and homesick and then we went to the church and they were great but culturally the church was totally different from what I was used to and I was freaking out and I went, a couple of weeks into it I said to Kay I don't think I can do this I love America still do I mean that but I just thought we're going to have to go home I can't do this and I was invited to go to a men's retreat and I went to this men's retreat and they had a guest speaker and this guest speaker guy, he was bright and clever and articulate and biblical and told stories. And I, I remember sitting back there listening to this guy. And I thought, I think I can do this. There's something about him that gives me hope that I, I can do this. You might be familiar with the guest speaker. His name is Dick Foth. Which is one of the reasons why my heart is grateful to be in a church family that includes Dick and Ruth both. And when they moved here years later, it was like a, like a bonus. And he called me yesterday and he actually texted me, he said, I've got an idea. And when both does that, I always call back quick because he'll forget it if I don't call back. <laughs> and, and we went out for dinner last night. He sat here and he listened to this message that you're listening to and I value their opinion greatly. I said, okay, you've heard the message, so what, what do I need to change and what works and what doesn't work and just tell me and four and a half hours later. <laughs> do we have people in our lives that can speak into our lives and resource us? Are we resourcing others? That takes investment. Let's stay teachable. Sir, I, I, I need to just say this. Have you, have you decided, sir, that you have arrived? Can I, can I make this statement which might be absolutely stunning? You could be wrong. And if you admit that you're wrong, the universe will not explode. Apollos needed help and he got it. Number five, look for opportunities for service. Look for opportunities for service. Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, it says in verse 27. He was eager to serve. He was eager to get involved. And he continued to get involved in service. You see, if we want to grow, we need to serve. Fellowship, a word mentioned 19 times in the New Testament, is an action word. Passive fellowship 
is a theological contradiction. It doesn't work. And this man was eager to serve. Aquila and Priscilla, they had been living in Rome, Luke tells us earlier, and the Emperor Claudius had kicked all the Jews out of Rome, so they were refugees. Now, get this. They could have said, hey, we, we lost our home. We lost our business. We're refugees. We'll just take a back seat for a while. And there, of course, is a time. Yes, in church life, to take a back seat when you, when you first arrive. And you, but you know what? Within church and beyond church, let's be people who serve. I drove here this morning. It was snowing. And I looked across the parking lot. And I saw Clark. He was in the first service. And I didn't have his permission to share this. I don't have it now, but sometimes forgiveness is easier. <laughs> and Clark was clearing the sidewalk in the snow. So I wandered over to him. I said, hey, good morning. He said, good morning, Pastor Jeff. I said, thanks for doing what you're doing, man. It's really appreciated. He said, well, I've got a strong back and a weak mind. I said, yeah, and a good heart. Serving. Christianity only makes sense if it energizes us to serve. So what happened to Apollos? What happened to him? Well, he's mentioned 14 times in the New Testament. He goes off to Achaia. He's a great help, it says. A great help to those who by grace had believed. In fact, Apollos became so successful that in Corinth, factions developed. There was a popularity thing going on and some people really liked Paul and some people really liked Peter and some people really liked Apollos. And then the people who were really messed up said, we really only like Jesus, which sounds spiritual, but basically most commentators think it probably meant that they didn't have a great deal of respect for anybody else. But this man developed to such a point, he grew to such a point where his influence even rivaled the Apostle Paul. But the beautiful thing is they were never rivals. And elsewhere in Scripture we read that Paul later tried to encourage Apollos to go back to Corinth and he steadfastly refused. Wouldn't do it. Wasn't the right time. And most commentators believe, most commentators believe that the reason Apollos didn't do that was because he didn't want to fuel the popularity thing in Corinth. He was such a servant, he just wanted, thanks Matt, he just wanted to serve and not be somehow lifted, adulated, but just serving. What happened to him in the end? No idea. The Bible doesn't tell us about his latter years. It doesn't tell us how he died, where he died. But what we do know is this. This was an itinerant preacher who showed up. But he didn't just talk. He grew. Lovely, 
lovely Timberline family. Let's keep growing. Not just numerically. We want to reach more people, but as human beings, us, me, you, with God's help, by His Spirit, rooted in the Word. Let's keep growing. Let's pray. We thank you for these episodes in your Word, Lord. Episodes about ordinary women and men. Priscilla, Aquila, Apollos. People like us. And they grew and they helped each other to grow. Help us. Help us to be people of your word. I pray that this weekend, some of us, by your help, Lord, and with your nudging, will decide that we want Scripture to be more central in our lives. To feed on your word, to wrestle with it. Give us relationships that provoke us to grow and help us to lovingly provoke others. Help us to identify and invest in those kind of relationships. Help us to serve and bless those, we pray, who serve us here today, many of them. We give you thanks because we are not alone with a book, with a set of principles that we have to just live by. But your Holy Spirit wants to help us to keep the flame burning. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment and I simply want to ask this. I want to pray a little further. Some of us are staring at challenges that are so big we just don't have the human capacity to deal with them. You can't fix that marriage. You don't know what to do about that behavioral aspect of you. It might be a habit. Hey, it might be an addiction. You just, you just cannot see your way forward. I really want you to know hope today because a helper is at hand. And that's the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised the dead Jesus to life. Now, we all need to be filled with the Spirit daily. But if today you're facing a situation, you're saying, wow, I just so need God's strength and help in me, through me, for me. I want to ask you just to raise your hand for a moment right now so I can include you in a prayer. Just raise that hand as a declaration of dependency upon God, Spirit of God, just as you brought life to dry bones in Ezekiel's day. Breathe your mighty power, we pray, into these situations because you are stronger than our biggest challenge. So we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said,